Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 383 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Gina Andersland. Gina lives in Andover, Minnesota, and she is a dentist and a mom of six. Welcome, Gina. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. It's so nice to talk to you. I don't know what keeps you busier, being a dentist or being a mom of six. I know. It's equally busy. That's like three full-time jobs. It it is. (laughs) Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Sure. I'll kind of do my little backstory because that's what I enjoy hearing most about other people. So I never really struggled with weight through childhood, through college. It really wasn't until I started having kids that I started gaining. So I had 
four children between 2007 and 2012. And I gained a significant amount of weight with my pregnancies, maybe 40, 50 pounds. I was able to lose some after each pregnancy, but then would start the next pregnancy, you know, a little bit higher. A little higher. Yeah. Like the stair step. You go up a little bit, then down a little up, but always going upward. So after my third, that's when I first kind of explored my first diet, I guess. I did Weight Watchers. I felt like I did a very good job, was very successful, lost, I don't know, a good amount of weight, felt good. I was a big rule follower. So if it went in my mouth, I logged it and it worked for me. Then I got pregnant again. So that was my fourth. So my fourth pregnancy did Weight Watchers again, but just not as motivated, kind of knew the program lost its appeal. I did like workout, you know, plans. I joined a gym that was like a six day a week, hardcore kickboxing, did that for five months. I was so strong, but didn't lose like a single pound. You know, after that fourth pregnancy, I probably lost the same 10 to 20 pounds and then gained it. And what range were you floating around in at that point? I was probably in like the 180s. Okay. And how tall are you? 5'3". Okay. I know that's frustrating to feel like, you know, you're, you're literally doing kickboxing six days a week because they told us if you just eat less and move more, you will lose the weight. It's math, right? And literally, I can't imagine doing more than kickboxing six days a week. (laughs) It was hard. And I mean, again, I was so strong, but not a pound. Then, so three and a half years, this, so that probably went on for three and a half years, joined the gym, Weight Watchers, all that. I got pregnant again. And that was the first time that I got up over 200 pounds. So that was hard. It was a number I never wanted to see. After I had her, I, again, lost a little, probably hung out in that 185 for a while. I did Whole30, tried Weight Watchers again, just tried to exercise on my own. And actually, so then I signed up for a half marathon and I started training for that. That was- And was was, that because you wanted to lose weight? Correct. I was like, I got to do something. So if I have like a race date and an end, then I, I have to train for it, right? You can't show up to a race unprepared. So that was the fall of 2018. So then that winter, I kind of ran inside, trained on the treadmill. February, March, we're in Minnesota, so it's hard to run outside. Oh, yeah. There will be no running outside in Minnesota. (laughs) No. So then, but then by March, April, I was running outside again, three to four days a week, increasing my mileage, still not losing any weight. And then on April 15th, of 2019, my cousin sent me a message and said, Gina, I found this book. You have to read it. I've been doing it and I feel amazing. That book was The Obesity Code and Delay Don't Deny. So I asked her a million questions. She was so patient with me. I ordered the books. I read The Obesity Code first. And then I read Delay Don't Deny. I probably finished them both within like three days. Now, that was a lot because the obesity code is Yes, but is I no joke. loved that science behind it. And I was like, yes, this is me. This is me. And I was like, where's the answer? That is why I wrote Delay Don't Deny, honestly, because the obesity code came out in March of 2016 and I had been fasting and I had, you know, lost, I lost 75 pounds by that point, but was starting to slowly regain. But I read the obesity code and I'm like, what's his plan? What's the plan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So I was like, well, I need to know what to do. Don't leave me hanging. So 
finally figured out, okay, fasting, I probably fasted. So then I just jumped right in, right? I probably fasted dirty for a few days until I finished Delay Don't Deny and kind of figured out I can't add things to my coffee. I was not a black coffee drinker. So now I tell people if I can drink black coffee, anybody can drink black coffee. Now I have to ask you something because this is something we hear from time to time and I don't think it's true. People say, and you're a dentist, that's why I'm asking you. They say, well, I can't drink black coffee because I'm afraid it will stain my teeth as if the milk and the creamer is keeping the coffee from staining their teeth. No, I don't think milk and creamer helps with that at all. <laughs> I didn't think so either, but I was like, I got a dentist here. I'm going to ask her because that's like, I've literally heard that before. I'm worried the black coffee will stain my teeth. I'm like, if you're already drinking coffee with anything in yeah, it. It's already going to stain your teeth. Okay. Well, good. Thank you for confirming that. <laughs> And that's why there's bleach. So then you just bleach your teeth. There you go. That's why you go to your dentist. Gina will help you. <laughs> Dr. Andersland has got you covered. So you figured out the black coffee. How long do you reckon it took you? To do the black coffee? Yeah. Oh, like three days because I was like, well, I can't do that. So then I just have to have it black. And it was fine. I'm shocked. Like I'm still shocked about that because never would I have ever thought I could drink black coffee. So everybody listening, this is coming out February 1st. We'll have the new year people excited to start. You can do the black coffee. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. I, if I can do it, seriously, anyone can do it. It's true. Me too. So, so, so then that's when I started. And I think I maybe did 16 to 18 hour fast for a couple of weeks. And then I was 22 two, And that was my sweet spot until December of 2019. And I lost... I think I lost like 30 pounds. So that was eight months. That's pretty good. And you were feeling good? I was feeling great. I posted for the first time on Facebook. I posted in your Facebook group and I posted on my personal page because we're heading. It was the end of December. We were on vacation. I was feeling good. I was feeling so hopeful. I didn't have to set a New Year's resolution for the first time. To be clear, I was not at my goal, but I had a plan and it was working and I felt so good. So I posted on Facebook and literally the next day I found out I was pregnant. I knew that was what was coming because I was one, two, three, four, five. That was not six. Okay. Pregnant. <laughs> Congratulations. Surprise. <laughs> it was a big surprise. There was some tears. I was very overwhelmed. I worked so hard for eight months to get where I was. I knew what pregnancies did to my body. I gained a ton of weight during all my other pregnancies. I just worked so hard to get it off. And it was long, right? It's nine months of pregnancy plus time that you breastfeed that I knew I would have to step away from fasting. So that was really hard for me. And then the pandemic hit. And that made my pregnancy even more fun. And now you've also got five kids at home, five kids, and you're pregnant. And suddenly you're probably homeschooling them. Yep. So my husband was a teacher, so he was teaching from home. My kids were at home. Our dental practice was forced to shut down, so I was home. I couldn't drink. So. No. You're like the only person that I know. I know. know. I, know. <laughs> I was like, this was terrible. It was terrible. <sighs> but she was born September of 2020, and she's great. I love her. She's a hoot. and A blessing, and you can't imagine not having her. Nope. So, and I gained a lot of weight. I gained everything back. And then I, so then I breastfed until June. And during that whole pregnancy and during my whole breastfeeding journey, I obviously didn't fast, but I fasted, right? I mean, I fasted all night. 
I may I didn't eat in the mornings until I was like actually hungry. You listened to your body. Yes, I did. I had a hearty lunch, a hearty dinner, and then I was like, I'm done. You don't need that bowl of ice cream tonight. Like I you didn't I didn't need that. So I was more conscious of what I was eating. So that was good. But I still gained a lot of weight. So then breastfeeding. So that was end of June or June 2021. And I got down to like 184 pounds again. It's like my magical spot. So then from June to August, I like jumped back into fasting back to my 22-2. And I probably lost 10 pounds in those two months. And then more life happened. And my business partner decided she wasn't going to be in business with me anymore. So I bought her out. And so very, very quickly, I went from working two days a week and six kids to working four days a week and six kids. And it was also the start of a school year. My husband's a teacher, like I said. So he was doing his thing. And I was like, so I still fasted every single day, but that was not my focus. So for the next year and a half, I maintained And I, so I like to joke that I'm a really good maintainer. Like I'm going to be great when I get to maintenance mode because I can just hang on for a long time. Well, and you know, stress will do it. People don't realize that stress really does affect our bodies and our ability. Like if all is well and everything's great, your body is letting the pounds go. But if you're under a lot of stress, your body's like, Ooh, better hang on to this. So I just hung on to it for a year and a half. (laughs) So then January 23, I was like, all right, you got your business under control. The baby's two and a half. She's doing great. The other kids are older. So I was like, time to refocus. So that New Year's, I made like goals that I could control. So I set goals for some alternate day fasting. I set goals for making better food choices. I didn't want to set a weight number goal because I've done that before. It didn't work for me. You get discouraged. Can I highlight what you said that's so important? You set goals that you could control. That is what I would like everyone to really hear from this right now, because that is all you can do. You can just say, okay, these are the things I can do. And then your body does what it's going to do after that. So if you're like, I must weigh, I don't know, let's say you decided 160 was your goal and you had to get to 160 your body's still going to do what it's going to do. And if you're like at 162, you're not at your goal, but your body's like, I'm done now. So set goals that you can control. You did some ADF and you tweaked your food choices. So then in October of 23, I met my, what I had put into my like weight loss app as my original goal. I don't feel like I'm at what I should be at. I'm super curvy. Like I've always had like a larger, you know, legs and butt, but I feel really good where I'm at. So I'm just going to keep going and doing what I'm doing. And if it, that means I maintain here, I don't, the number doesn't mean as much as it does to me now than what it used to. And so you had an idea from the very beginning before baby number six, right? Before all of that, you were like, this is the number I think I will get to that. This would be my goal. And you're there, you're there now. And, but you're, you're there like, well, maybe I'm not done yet, but you know what? Your body is going to let you know. I totally can relate to that because when I was 210 pounds and trying to decide what's my goal going to be, obviously I had a size goal. I had some old clothes before when I was maintaining and felt really good. I was a size six most of the time with an occasional four. 
And that was, I just wanted to get back down because I felt so good. And I thought 135 would, would be that place that I would be. And so I just set that number goal. But when I got to 135, I was a little smaller than I had been the last time that I was like 129. I was even smaller than that. But I knew I still had a little bit to go. But my body decided. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. And I still have time. So, forever. You have forever. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I'm not as like stressed and concerned about that as I used to be. And that feels really good. It feels, I feel like I'm in a really good mental space for it. So between January and October of 2023, when you just, you just said, okay, I'm going to set the goals I can control. I'm going to do some ADF. I'm going to just let my body do what it does. I'm going to work on my food choices. Talk to us a little bit about what that looked because, you know, the part of your story prior to January where you were stressed out, you were still fasting, but you were maintaining instead of losing, then you're like, all right, I can make some changes. What what exactly did that look like? Because that's what people are going to want to maybe apply to their life. So I've always really liked that 22 to like window. So I would still say most of my days are that, but then I tried to do one day a week where I fasted all day. But I really like to eat every day. So I started to do the 500 calorie down day. And I really had to plan ahead to make sure that that 500 calorie meal was like big because I want to eat a lot. I work really hard at that so that I can eat but stay in that range. Give us an example of what a big, satisfying 500 calorie down day meal might look like. Sometimes I do like an egg like eggs with lots of veggies in it. I really like salads, so I'll make a big salad with a lot of different things in it. 
I'm not very creative. I don't have a lot of time for meal planning still. Well, I think that's great. You don't have to think about it. You have like your go-to 500 calorie down day meals. And, you know, I talk about this a lot, especially in the community, mostly in the community, because people still have in their minds like the full fast version of the down day has to be better, right? Or they'll say something like, I had to use the 500 calorie meal. We're like, no, it's there. Use it. You like to eat every day? Eat it. I also think it probably helps a lot of people sleep. Do you sleep all right after the down days? I sleep great. I don't like to go to bed full. So sometimes the up days, I still have to cut myself off early. I don't like to eat in the evenings. Yeah, that makes sense. So you just have to start early so you can have your up day completed in time for you to go to bed. Yeah, sometimes it's really like physically uncomfortable for people to lay down with a lot of food in their stomach and... That makes a lot of sense. All right. So you tweaked your one down day a week. Or are you still doing that now? I am usually most weeks. So what day do you like for your down day? I feel like usually Tuesdays work well for me. We have a shorter lunch on like Tuesdays. So it's easy to skip. But then it's hard to like have an update on a working day for me too. So sometimes Thursdays, I guess. And then I can then I have Fridays to do whatever I want. That's what I would do. Back when I was doing up days and down days, I haven't done them since 2016. But when I was doing them, I would schedule it. I like to have the up days. I got annoyed with having up days at work. So I like to have them at home. I do like to eat at work. But so I, that's when I normally eat is lunch. Okay. So you're a midday person. I am. And I that is where I've always been. And it's so it just works so well for me. I eat for my hour, maybe two. And then I don't even think about food the rest of the day. It's so like freeing and I don't have to, I don't know. I love it. I wish I was a midday person. I could see that. <laughs> I am not. We have like, I have a great team at work. And so we, it's like family meal every day. <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> you know, so I'm sorry That's... to my kids, but well, mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. But, you know, the people who prefer that midday window really, really love it. And it, it's just, you just look forward to that. And then you don't feel like tired the rest of the afternoon. You know, sometimes I might get like a little brief tiredness right after I eat, but it never lasts long. Or I'll just have more coffee. But actually, one reason why I really like the midday is because I can feel when my body switches to fat burning. And I get nauseous and I hate that feeling so much that I want that to happen while I'm sleeping. That's so interesting. Well, that's a good reason. I know. So if my one meal is in the evening, 15 to 16 hours after that is when I feel it change over and I feel gross. And it does, it never lasts long. It's so brief, but it's enough to remind me how much I don't like that feeling. I don't feel it as nausea, but I can imagine I've worn a CGM. You've probably heard me say this before. I've worn a CGM. And so I have seen what happens right when I'm having that feeling of like, oh, I'm a little hungry. That's right when my CGM is going down. So your blood sugar must be just going down, doing a little dip, got a little ooh, queasy. And then it flips the switch and now you're fine. But you got that little bloop right there. I'm glad I don't feel it as nausea, but it goes away if you do keep going. Yes, it's very, very quick. So what do you do about dinner at family dinner time? Do you cook for your family? What happens then? Well, 
If you can imagine, meal times at my house are crazy. I'm imagining it. It's true. You're probably like glad you don't have to eat. I know. So, I mean, and now we are in such a busy phase. So I have two in high school and two in middle school. So, you know, they're in sports and activities. So we do not come together as much as I would like for family meal times, but we do cook most nights at home for them. And then I can just focus on them. When I am trying to eat at the same time they're eating, I just get annoyed because I want to enjoy my meal. So if they need a fork or a refill on their milk or whatever, I can just do that. And I'm not stressed or frustrated that I'm not eating. So I think it's a better balance. Yeah, you have the family time with them, but it's okay to not. The reason I wanted to really talk about that is because that is something people sometimes struggle with that prefer a midday window, but they have a family. So they're like, how do I balance the fact that I prefer to eat in the middle of the day? And then we have family dinner time and I'm not eating with them. And so they think it's going to be a big deal, but it's not a big deal. So my kids, whoever's setting the table say, mom, are you eating? Dad, are you eating? And then they either set us a plate or don't set us a plate. And it's fine. Nobody's ever really asked more than that. Actually, my seven-year-old just asked the other day, I picked her up from school and I was listening to a podcast in the car. And then she goes, mom, why do the kids always ask if you're eating dinner? So I don't even think she knew that I like fasted. So she's just figuring that out now. So it's no big deal. Kids really notice less about what we're doing. (laughs) They're like picking it up, picking it up, but you could be sitting there not eating and they're not worried about you not eating. I love it. But I I wanted to make sure to talk about that, like I said, because it's really not a barrier unless you let it be a barrier. You know, if you're like sitting there racked with guilt because you're not eating with your kids, I think they're going to pick up on that more so than if you're just easy breezy getting them another fork. So do the ones in high school and middle school know that you're fasting? Yes. I mean, it's not a big deal. It doesn't bother them or anything. And now I've learned so much about it too. Like, and I let them guide their meal times. My son, he eats a lot all day, starts right away in the morning. My daughter does not like to eat in the mornings and I don't push that. So I think that's the way we should be feeding all of our kids. Wake up hungry, eat, not hungry, eat when you are instead of forcing them. That's such, I think that's the way we're, we're meant to be. So it's interesting that your son, is he older? Is the son older? Yeah, he's 16. You know, he, he works out and does more sports. And so. Growing. I remember having those growing teenage boys. They really never stop eating. Never. I have three right now. It's. Ugh. Three teenage boys? I mean, my son, my youngest son is 11. Okay. So I bet you've got good smell in house right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he plays hockey too. It's brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. It really is. There's no smell like. Teenage boy smell starting around about 10, 11, 12. (laughs) It's like worse than puppies, but then they start to smell like grownups eventually. (laughs) Thank goodness. Now, you mentioned that also when you were, you know, January to October, when you were working on getting off of that plateau, you worked on your food choices. Tell us a little bit about that. So, one thing that I noticed first is that I cannot open my window with sugar. I have to make better choices for my first bites. And I love sugar. I feel like when I first did those eight months of fasting before I got my big surprise pregnancy, I had started to like, my body had really started to cut back on all those cravings. That hasn't been as obvious 
in recent months for me. So I definitely still crave the sugar. So I just have to be really conscious of that. Trying to work in more veggies first. That glucose. Glucose goddess. Yeah, the glucose revolution. Yeah, she, that book is like on my stack to read. So just trying to, you know, do some of that. Less processed food, you know, just more whole foods. That's the key. You know, I just had my own little diet brain where I was like really restricting what I was eating again, just because again, I went through Zoe and then I was running a CGM and then my dad was sick and I'm like, I'm just going to be whole food plant-based. I'll eat it. <laughs> but now I'm like, no, I don't want to just restrict. It, it doesn't feel good. We want to eat the foods that we want to eat. And that feels nice to not restrict, but also I have to make sure that I'm still choosing good choices. That's really the key. Our bodies let us know. Like you are not opening with sugar. And it's not even because the glucose goddess, the glucose revolution book told you not to. It's because your body doesn't like it. And when you start applying some of the things that you've learned, like when I apply what I learned from Zoe, but without stressing about it, and when I apply what we know about you know, keeping our blood sugar steady and opening with something that's not going to spike our blood sugar, I feel better. But without like having to write it down or stress about it, or if I'm going to eat a cracker, it's okay. Exactly. So you found that balance. So how much weight did you lose from January to October? Right around 30 pounds. So you're feeling good right now, knowing there's still maybe more to go, but your body's going to do what it does. I mean, if this is where I am, like I'm okay with that. I would like, to, and I'm just going to let it happen now. And now also my mindset is more on to like autophagy and the benefits I'm going to get from that. I feel like in my life right now, in my social circle, there's been a lot of cancer. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to keep fasting. And hopefully that helps with that. I don't know. I would love to see a study done on that, on intermittent fasters, and if cancer rates are any different in that population. That would be a great study. I wonder if Tim Spector, with his study, they just did a, a big intermittent fasting study in the UK with their Zoe app where they, they had some people doing some fasting and, and monitored them. I wonder if they could do something like that. That would be interesting. It would really need to be a long-term kind of a thing. Right. But even like, cause you know, you hear like breast cancer rates are one in four or whatever they are right now. You know, if you just pulled intermittent fasters, would we see that same one in four? Is it less? I don't know. I would love to say that. Someone needs to do it. <laughs> and that's the kind of data they could collect. I'm trying to think how. <laughs> how they would how they'd be able to collect like knowing who was doing intermittent fasting. But it that seems like really worth doing. It just needs to be a long term, long term kind of a thing. But you know, in our communities we do see, you know, the people that are there and every now and then someone does have cancer in the community. But the difference is we don't know. Would they have had it? Would more people have had it? without the fasting. So that's, but I know, just like you, the more we can do that is healthy, that gives us the best chance long-term. So yeah, I mean, again, I came for the weight loss, but I've seen so many other benefits along the way. So the weight loss is total bonus at this point for me. I love that. I am listening to Fiber Fueled. Oh yeah. It's in my stack too. Is it in your stack? I've got the hardback copy and I read it maybe in 2020. 20, I read it. I can't remember. I read it a long time ago. It was pretty new when I got a hold of it. And um, now I'm listening to it on Audible. Do you ever listen to audiobooks? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would really highly, you will love it. I would listen to this one. I'm getting so much more out of it as a listener than I did as a reader. But it made me think about what you said because he was talking about the gut connection. 
to cancer. And he actually, there was a section in one of the first few chapters that I just listened to today where he was talking about how high levels of insulin and cancer and all of that fit together. And of course, you know, we know that, but keeping our insulin down is I think one of our best defenses. So as a dentist, all that really spoke to you. And also we hear all the time from intermittent fasters that their teeth are better. Yes. And I mean, I don't tell my patients to fast, but I mean, kind of in a roundabout way, right? Like we, and now dentistry too, is looking so much at like microbiome in your mouth and all of those kinds of things. So fascinating. But the, you know, the less you eat, the less times you eat, the less you're changing your pH and your, you know, the microbiome in your mouth. And so, no, I don't say you should fast, but I also say if you're going to drink that can of pop, chug it, don't sip it. That's a great tip there. I want to talk about the mouth microbiome a little bit. You know, that's a great topic. And can I tell you a story about a crown that I've got? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a crown that I got a few years ago. And okay, everybody, this might be gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> it had like a weird odor around the crown. Like like it, it just smelled yucky. And as I, t- I went to back to my dentist, and I was like, you know, if I touch this area of my, it's like has a weird, like coming out of that crown, there's something in there that smells really gross. And she's like, well, you just need to use mouthwash. You need to use like Listerine. You need to water pick it, get all the bacteria out of there. So I was like, well, okay. So I did all that and it didn't fix it. It just kept going and going and going. Then I was sponsored by this toothpaste that they don't sponsor the podcast anymore, but they're like, you know, we're great for your mouth microbiome. We do not kill the good guys. And I'm like, I never thought of that before because, you know, using the Listerine and all those harsh mouthwashes to kill all the germs in our mouth because that's what we thought we should do. But I wasn't even thinking about my gross crown. So I just started brushing with this toothpaste because they sent me some and I was like, this is great. I like, you know, making my mouth microbiome better. It made the bad smell go away. So does that surprise you as a dentist? Not at all. No, I mean, you could have had an imbalance of something in there. So, and we actually have a, we recommend a product to a patient a lot. It's a probiotic for your mouth. This was a probiotic toothpaste. Yeah. So now they're little tablets that you like suck on and dissolve in your mouth. And we give them a lot to like periodontal patients. Well, anyway, I was super surprised. I wasn't expecting because... I wasn't expecting this toothpaste to make my my weird smelling tooth feel better. But I was like, I have ruined my life. I have a bad smelling tooth forever. And I would mouthwash it. But do you still use that toothpaste? Well, I've switched to a different one that I like. Bad smells not back, but something was out of balance. Yeah, (laughs) no more bad smell. But anyway, I just wasn't expecting that. But the mouth microbiome is fascinating because you probably know you were probably taught to kill all the germs in the mouth. Sort of. Yeah. And like different bacteria are in everybody's mouth. And and again, it's so fascinating how you get those bacteria, right? You get them from your main caregiver when you're an infant. So if your parents have bad teeth because of bad bacteria, then you're going to get those same bad bacteria. So it's all very fascinating. It is so fascinating. And it's you know, listening to Fiber Fueled right now, of course, he's talking about the gut microbiome. And he said that a theory of like people would kiss, like why people started kissing was to sample each other's microbiome. <laughs> I'm like, that's so interesting. But who knows? I never thought about that you got your your mouth microbiome from your parents as well. So fascinating. So you do talk about 
fasting a little bit, but do you talk about it to people that you know, not your patients? I do talk about it to people I know. The first, when I first started, I shared it with everybody. And then I put it out there on Facebook and then I got pregnant. So then I, and then so I've kind of stepped back since then. But everybody, like all my close friends and family know that I fast. A lot of my family fasts or have tried fasting. If I stick with it? Yeah. My one sister-in-law, she does it and she didn't really need to lose, like she didn't need to lose weight, but was having some, you know, just weight gain a little bit and other health symptoms. So she fasts and she just feels amazing. My sister actually just started. Like she's So did mine. Ah! So she's maybe on month two and I'm so excited. She's like, so when do these benefits start? I was like, maybe three or four, just keep going. Yeah, Don't stop. (laughs) Just don't stop. But yeah, my sister has been watching, of course, and she was working. She was working outside the home and it was just really hard, but she just retired. And so, and her husband, my brother-in-law has been fasting for a while and one of our other brothers does it. And so she's finally has time to focus on it. So she's doing it too. And I'm so excited. I was there at her house this weekend and we, we were just fasting. Then we opened our window. It was great. So I'm glad that God, that your sister's doing it too. Yeah, tell her to keep going. Don't stop. Yeah, her husband fasts. So I think that's a good source for her too. It really, really helps when other people are doing it. Like if Chad got up every single morning and made himself like a bacon egg breakfast, I would <laughs> toast or you know, all that smells. I would think I would be, I don't know, maybe I'd be fine, but I'm glad he doesn't. So does your husband do it at all? He does. So he introduced me to fasting technically first. He is a chemistry teacher and he was teaching a biochem class and one of their units was like different diets. And so he's like, hey, check out this intermittent fasting. And he was like, went through all the science of it. And I was like, like, you know, just totally like (laughs) blew him up. So then when I came to him and I was like, hey, I'm going to try this intermittent fasting. He's like, Gina, I told you about that already. (laughs) And I think he has been an intermittent faster his whole life, honestly. Like we went to college together and I would like go over there in the evenings and he'd be like, yeah, I haven't eaten yet today. And I'm thinking, how did you forget to eat? Like, who does that? So I think that was just him naturally. So he does fast now. He has had some major stress in his life this past year. So his weight gain has been a little bit, but um, he's back in there and it's good. What is his window? So he's home right now. He's not working this year. So he also does usually a lunch midday. He used to wait until after school to eat. Yeah, that worked really, really well for me as a teacher as well, because at school, you got to be sharp. But there's a lot going on. It was so nice not to have to fool with a meal. So, but now that he's at home, like, it's hard to wait until dinner. It was so much easier at school. And then when I got home after I retired, I suddenly had to, like, refigure it out. You know, I had summers at home, obviously, before, but suddenly I'm there all the time. So I I get his struggle. And it makes sense that his window shifted a little earlier. On the weekends, do y'all have, like, a nice big lunch together? We usually cook one big meal, whether it's lunch or dinner. We kind of depends on what's happening that weekend. So you mentioned that before, back in the day, when you were trying to lose the weight, you were heavy in the gym, running your half marathon, doing the kickboxing. How about now? Do you do anything for exercise? I mean, not super consistently. I want to. We, I do like to cycle. So I have a Peloton and I do some yoga for dentistry. I need to do more yoga. I walk, we walk a lot and we like to hike, but maybe three times a week I'll work out. Nothing intense like a half marathon or extreme kickboxing, (laughs) (laughs) 
my body didn't like that either. So now I just do light exercise. Yeah. I don't know how much there is to this, but you know, apparently the DNA report that tells you about your exercise, mine was like, yeah, not doing the excessive exercise. Your DNA says no. And I'm like, awesome. Was that the Xcode life? Because I yes. did that. And mine also said not likely to lose weight from exercise. So I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> yep. Not likely to lose weight from exercise and also not likely to do a lot of heavy exercise or something. So for anybody who's wondering about this years ago, probably 2017, I did 23 and Me and downloaded the raw data and ran it through a couple platforms. One of them was Xcode Life. I don't know if they still even operate. I don't even but that's what gave me those reports about that. But yeah, I was like, I knew it. But some people may get the DNA profile that says needs to lose, needs to exercise a lot to lose weight. But I think we all know, like you already knew. And I think my husband does well with exercise. So if he had his DNA done, I bet it would confirm it. I was so disappointed when I wrote Feast Without Fear in 2017. That was when everyone was really hopeful about the genetics component of weight loss. Like you're genetically this or you're genetically that. And even Tim Spector at the de- back in the day was doing the twin stuff. And then with all the genetics and how much of it was genetic, but he found the tw- identical twins had very different outcomes when it came to like their weight. And, other- and so much of it came down to the gut instead of the genetics. But one of the, there's a scientist at Stanford who's doing some research into what diet might be best for you. Are you better low fat? Are you better low carb? And turns out they looked at a couple of different SNPs or a couple of different genetic, no correlation at all in a a big randomized trial. So that just hasn't panned out. But the gut, that's really telling us a lot about our bio-individuality. We know we're different. But it's not just as simple as download your Xcode life report and now you got everything. I wish it was. But interesting about the exercise. So it's, it's good to, to stay active and stay busy. So is there anything that you struggle with? I mean, I like to eat. So I used to really focus on how many hours I fasted. Now I've definitely I've been listening to some of the podcasts. And you've been talking a lot lately about focus on like your window time. So I've been trying to do that more. Because I'll like be like, okay, I can't eat until two o'clock. And then I like feel guilty if I need to open at like 11. So I do still struggle with that, the timing and just sometimes managing like events. Like we'll have, we have a dinner planned, but I'm so used to eating lunch and I'll be like, oh, so then I'll maybe eat twice that day. And I didn't need to eat twice that day. So that's still hard. You know, I do the same thing, except, you know, my window is different. If we have an event that's midday, I'll just eat twice that day, midday plus later. So it makes a lot of sense. We have to flex for our social events. But I wanted to go back to what you said about focusing on the window length being a little easier, because I know exactly what you mean. I've seen a lot of people in the in the communities over the years that struggle with that, like feeling like they if they don't get to X hour, whether it's 16 or 18 or 19 or whatever, if they don't get to that hour of fasting, they feel like they failed. But if you just forget that pressure and just say, all right, whenever I open, I open and I'm going to keep my window open for a certain number of hours, then I'm going to close it. The fasting takes care of itself over time. And I felt when I timed out my fast, I had to be like really strategic, like, okay, I have to close by this time. And there was so much more calculating. And I mean, I liked to do that. And at first it worked for me because I was trying to get longer fasts. So that was easy to be like, okay, I'm going to do 16 and then 17 and then 
20, whatever. But now that I am more into my routine, I know I'm going to be in the range of 20. Some days it'll be 20. Some days it's 24. And it doesn't really matter, right? It evens out. Yeah, it evens out. I think that's a really a good point because sometimes people can really feel like they are failing if they're not reaching that certain hour number and then just, no, and having to calculate it overnight. See, I never calculated my fast. I don't know. But I can't imagine being like, okay, what time did I stop eating last night? I don't know. I never know. I'm not sure. And then having to like, well, how many hours from that is 19? Oh, I can't eat till three. I mean, no. <laughs> if I want to eat at 1.30 today because I'm starving, I'm going to eat at one. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And then just let it happen. So what you've learned over the years as an intermittent faster and delving into your own health journey, has that changed the types of food that you have available at your house for your kids? Yes. I mean, we're really working on that right now. That's like a huge goal um, is to really get rid of processed foods. Again, it's hard when we're busy and they have my love of sugar and they just want to grab a quick snack and run out the door. So, but we are working on that. And I have one of my sons has a lot of like anxiety and stuff right now. And I, we did cut out like red dye 40 and stuff for a little while. And I feel like it made a big difference. So we really need to focus on that again. Yeah, that one is huge. It made such a difference. Like it changed everything for like, I know Will would have been on all sorts of medications for behavior, ADD, all of that, because he just responded to those chemicals like I know he would have been, but we controlled it through diet. That's like then this kind of month here, we're really focusing on making some better meals. We're doing a lot more plant-based meals at our house, getting rid of some processed foods. My three-year-old, actually, she is my best eater, and I, it's just I don't know. It's been so amazing to have a child who will try everything and she likes a lot of things. And I wish all my kids ate like that. <laughs> you think it's because maybe you're just more relaxed or did you start her on, on that kind of stuff earlier? Maybe I think I did. I think, you know, just 
introducing first foods, we were smarter and better about it, you know, less puffs and yogurt melts and more avocados. I don't, I don't right. know. <laughs> I really think, I think that's it. Cause what was that book? French kids eat everything or something. That was a book. I haven't read all of it. I, I read some of it or I can't remember it was a long time ago, but I was like, I love the title of this book. French kids eat everything. It was a, a woman. Maybe she was an American and she married a French man, something like that. And then over in France, the kids were just literally eating everything. She's like, but her kids were picky because they were grew up in America and like her French in-laws were like, you just give the kid the food. They eat the food. And so a lot of the pickiness is it's cultural. It's we've like, I, I look back on how I fed my boys. It was me. It was me. I was the problem. <laughs> the older kids are, it's getting better there too. They're willing to try way more. And even if they don't love it, they'll still eat it. And that makes mealtimes better. It might not be their favorite food, but they ate it. And there was nutritional value to it. So Yeah, well, thank goodness. I, I'm amazed both my boys eat well now. But I don't know how that happened because I literally, like, there was a whole period of time when Cal only ate things that were beige. And I was, I laughed about it. Ha, 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 that's so funny. Here's some beige food. What? I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. My first grader is the pickiest of all my kids. So that, And that's a struggle because it's really hard to find anything that she'll eat. But saying that too, she doesn't even eat like cookies or cake or anything. She doesn't want any of that. Nope. <laughs> what does she like? Mac and cheese. <laughs> Universal. She literally doesn't even eat bread. So I can't even like make her a peanut butter toast or anything. Wow. I know. So it's hard. She's my pickiest, but she likes broccoli though, of all things. Well, give her some broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> broccoli and mac and cheese. It could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> That's really funny. So tell us about some of your non-scale victories. So right off the bat, my plantar fasciitis was gone. I mean, I had it so bad, like I couldn't step out of bed in the mornings. So that, and that was, I mean, within um, two months, maybe. Of fasting. So it wasn't just because you had lost a ton of weight. It was like less inflammation. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. So I've maybe had like two times since that I've noticed it at all. And it probably related to, you know, sugar or something that I ate. I've had a lot of scars disappear. So I've had, I had a big old burn on my hand here. It's gone. I had a mole removed and they had to go in further and take out more of it. And it made like a big keloid scar and it's like almost gone. It's like, it's totally flat. I mean, autophagy for the win. I mean, there's nothing else it could be other than your autophagy. Right. That's why I just keep going for, I just keep fasting for autophagy because those are only things I can see. I can't even imagine what's going on inside. So, oh, I have hypothyroidism. So I've got, I've, my meds have decreased twice since I started fasting and I was on a pretty much every year my dose was increasing. So they have decreased twice. I'm due for a check here soon. So it'll be interesting to see if they, decrease again or stay the same. That will be interesting. We hear that all the time. There's some kind of a weird misconception. I don't know who started it or who's propagating this, but that if you have hypothyroidism or any kind of thyroid issues, you can't fast. Well, I've been fasting for four and a half years. So. I know you've probably never heard that one, but I think, I don't know, but I feel like if we're looking for a reason not to fast, we can find one. Well, I, I'm not sure I can. You know, <laughs> I heard it was bad. I heard it was bad for whatever, whatever, you know. And But we hear from people all the time, just like you, who are hypothyroid or maybe they have um, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid issue, and they get so much better. 
So anybody who's listening, if you're somebody who's heard, well, can't do fasting if you're hypothyroid, it's bad for you. That is not only not true, but you have improved measurably. I mean, just like inches, like so I measured at the beginning, which I'm so glad that I did. So I've lost nine inches off my hips, seven inches off my waist, and six inches off of one thigh. Oh, my Lord. I know. That is a lot of thigh <laughs> to go down. But seven inches around your waist. That is amazing. So your whole shape, you, you're like hourglass. Yes. And it's so interesting. So you've been talking a lot about like the waist to hip ratio. So even at my very heaviest, my waist to hip ratio was 0.73. Okay. So you've always had a, a curvy healthy. You were not, you didn't have that big abdominal obesity. Mm-mm. I've always carried it in my thighs. And I feel like it's hard to lose from there. But I mean, obviously I did. I would have never thought I lost nine inches off my hips. I mean, that is a lot. Did you save your clothes? I didn't, but I have a pair of jeans in the same brand that I had at my heaviest. So those were like a 16 and now I'm in a 10. So, I mean, that's huge. That is huge. I wish I had saved some of my biggest clothes. I was just so ready to get them out of there. I got them out of there, but I wish I had them. That would be hard to believe. They were tight. My 16Ws were super tight. And it feels so good to be in a smaller size. So any other positive health changes or non-scale victories? Or is that it? That's that's a pretty good list. That is. I mean, my only other like non-scale victories is now like I write, I get to wear clothes that I want. I felt like before I just had to get clothes that fit me because they fit. And it was hard to find clothes that fit. And now it's been really fun to buy some things that I want to buy. So It's a whole different experience shopping, isn't it? And you still might find things that don't fit, but you don't blame yourself. You blame, well, this is a weird shirt. It's not you. It's the shirt's weird. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I'm going to say don't quit. (laughs) I mean, it's been four and a half years and I've had a baby. I've had life and I just kept showing up for myself. And when you needed to tweak, you tweaked. When you were maintaining and you were like, well, I'm fasting, but I'm not losing. You were like, I got to make some changes. So you'd put in, you didn't start like alternate daily fasting where it's like up, down, up, down, up, down forever. You just added, added a down day here and there, followed by an up day. And I just did what I felt like I could do at the time. Even though my life was still crazy and chaotic, I Just made a little change and stuck with it. Yeah. Don't quit is the best advice. You'll never quit. This is your lifestyle. That's how I feel too. This is how we're going to live. We're going to be the little old ladies in the the assisted living. Just because I'll probably just live there because it sounds fun. I know. Social time all the time. That's right. (laughs) Social time all the time. I think I will really like it. Anyway, but I'll be like, okay, I'm only going to eat dinner tonight. (laughs) Maybe there'll be lots of us intermittent fasting because we'll be old. We'll live a long time. Well, Gina, it has been great to talk to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. 
so don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.